0: Uh, 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 Hello and welcome to episode number 27 of Sperb's Herbs, Nourish the Yin Herbs. Today we're going to be talking about a very important category of herbs, and without further ado, let's get into it. So today, as usual, uh, if you are an acupuncturist, this podcast, as well as others, are approved for California Acupuncture Board Continuing Education Units and National Certification Commission of Acupuncture and Oriental Medicine Professional Development Activities at a very reasonable cost. Please check us out at www.integrativemedicinecouncil.org. That's Integrative Medicine Council, C-O-U-N-C-I-L. (coughs) Dot org. <coughs> I have also written a couple of books, including Integrative Pharmacology, Combining Modern Pharmacology with Integrative Medicine, and Playing the Game, a Step-by-Step Guide to Accepting Insurance as an Acupuncturist. And both of these are available at the shop on www.sperbsherbs.com, which of course is the title of the, of the episode of the podcast. So let's get going. This episode, today, we are going to be discussing one of our more important category of single herbs, nourish the yin herbs. These are used for a wide variety of conditions, but especially for gynecological conditions. And of course, before we can discuss this category of herbs, we need to discuss the concept of yin and its role in health and disease. So, without further ado, let's get into it. So before we can discuss nourishing yin herbs, we have to ask the question, what is yin deficiency? If we're nourishing yin, there needs to be a deficiency of yin. So what is yin deficient? It, it, deficiency, or actually right now, more technically, we're it's rather than deficiency, we're saying vacuity as, as a word. There's different, there's a lot of arguments as to deficiency versus vacuity, but let's get into that. There's a lot to unpack in this question of what is yin deficiency. First, we need to define what yin is according to Chinese medicine, and to do that, we need to explain yang as well. You can't explain yin without yang. So if you've heard of yin and yang, and notice I'm saying yang rather than yang. Yang is not appropriate. <laughs> it's, it's an Americanization of the term. It is the, the, the more correct term. Chinese pronunciation, again, this is Chinese, so I should warn people I've had several years of Chinese, but my Chinese pronunciation still needs some work. So it should be yang rather than yang, or yang, uh, yang. Uh, I don't know how other people say it, but yang. Yang is the appropriate way. And then we need to discuss the Chinese word shu, which is often translated as deficiency, though many prefer the translation of acuity at this point. some of it is preference some of it we're trying to standardize some people are trying to standardize on the word vacuity but sometimes uh authors choose the word deficiency they do mean the same thing they do go back to this chinese word of shu. so what is yin part of the reason why yin is so hard to explain is because it is a fundamental aspect of reality according to the chinese worldview. Yin and Yang are opposite, though complementary concepts. At its most basic, Yin refers to dark or black and Yang refers to light or white. The character for Yang is a sunlit side of a hill while Yin is the dark or clouded side of a hill. That's what the character actually kind of evokes, the picture that is evoked by the Chinese character. And there are many philosophical aspects to this as embodied in the Taiji symbol which we're going to talk about right now so the Taiji symbol colloquially known as 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 the yin yang symbol shows a white and dark side intertwined with each other each with a fatter side with a circle of the opposite color and trailing into a tail and what it, this is just I love this image. It's, it's two-dimensional, and it just it looks like a stack image, but there's just this illusion of twirling movement, and it indicates a constant interplay and interchangeability, which is what happens with yin and yang. Yin changes into yang. Yang changes into yin. Within yin, there's always yang. Within yang, there's always yang. There's an interchangeability, an interplay. They cannot be separated. This is the duality of nature. In other words, each side is always changing into its opposite and vice versa. Chapter one of any decent book on the basics of Chinese medicine is going to discuss yin and yang. There's just no way around this. This is primal, fundamental Chinese medicine. And these are fundamental to understanding Chinese medicine, both philosophically and practically. There's a very practical, you know, we can look at this as a very philosophical point of view, that duality of nature and what that means philosophically. But we actually, in Chinese medicine, apply it practically. There's, There's practical aspects of this. Almost everything in the body can be explained in terms of interactions of yin and yang. For example, the back is yang and the front is yin. Exterior is yang, interior is yin. Warmth is yang, cooling is yin. Uh, up is yang, down is yin. I mean, it just goes on and on. Anything you can say, and it's relative too. So, you know, I was used to when I teach this in class, I'd I'd line up a bunch of people in a row um, by height, and I say, okay, which one is yin, which one's yang, and then I pick out people. Well. That one is more yang compared to this person, but is more yin compared to that person. It's a relative aspect. So practically speaking, there are four pathological states of yin and yang in Chinese medicine. Excess of yin and yang or vacuity or deficiency of yin or yang. And in general, if you wanna get really down to the basics of Chinese medicine, health is considered a balance of yin and yang. If your yin and yang is in balance, you are healthy. If it's out of balance, you are diseased. So that is basic Chinese medicine. Generally, we look at temperature, fluids, and general activity of the body in this context. In addition, yin can refer to the substances of the body. And and yang refers to the activities of the body. So yang is more force and yin is more substance. Blood and essence are considered yin in nature. So, essence is a whole other concept we're going to touch on today, but not get too deep in it at some point. Where we'll talk a bit more about essence and one of our superb herbs. Excess. Yang means there's too much heat, which can, can consume the fluids and create dryness and potentially overactivity. So um, too much yang is not good. We have these reactions. We feel If you've ever seen anyone who's like really red-faced and very hot and a little bit you know, irritable um, and they have dry skin, that is yang excess. And you can see that in people. Excess yin can indicate too much cold and or fluids, which can consume the yang. Remember, they consume, can consume each other. So that means that someone is cold. So if someone's really shivering and cold and blue, that is very potentially excess yin. So uh, right now, there's a cold snap going on in the east as we're, as we're doing here. So um, very much there could be a lot of excess yin going on in that scenario. So those are the excess. Excess yang, you're going to be warm. Excess yin, you're going to be cold, and there's going to be other aspects. Exce- excess yin, um, also because it starts to consume that yang, there's less activity. You want to huddle, you want to get under the covers and 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 not move. That's 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 because the yang is starting to get a little consumed, and the yin contracts and doesn't want to move. So that's excess yin. Now we step into the vacuity of these and we have yang vacuity, means there's not enough yang to warm the body. So this can appear similar to excess yin. So here's the thing. You're going to be cold if you have yang vacuity. You're going to be cold if you have excess yin. So in yang vacuity, there's not enough yang to warm the body. Yin is normal, but yang is deficient. And this is treated very differently than if there's an excess yin condition. So if there's an excess yin condition, we try to, to warm the uh, warm a little bit still, but we really try to control that excess yin. In this case, we try to warm the yang when there's yang is vacuous. So um, we, we treat them very differently. And yin vacuity... Uh, means yin does not cool or control the yang and the person may be warm. So if you don't have enough yin to kind of keep the body at its normal temperature, you will be on the warmer side. And these last two, these vacuities can be called empty cold or empty heat, respectively. And again, we treat them very different than the excess conditions. So right here, because we're talking about herbs that nourish the yin, we're going to be talking a lot about this yin vacuity. And so what that means is we are gonna see people that might be a little bit warmer because the yin is not controlling the yang, but we're not treating it by trying to shut down the yang. We're treating it by raising the yin because the yang is normal. It's doing its normal functions. There's just not enough yin there to control it. So you have that empty heat. So yin vacuity can affect many organs in the body though the most common are the liver and kidneys because they serve as the basic reserve of yin for the entire body. So we often will talk about kidney yin deficiency, liver yin deficiency, or liver and kidney yin deficiency. However, the stomach, heart, and lungs can also become yin deficient. So there's not enough yin for those functionalities. Yin deficiency often develops gradually and over many years. It's not usually something of, uh, though I see young women um, with yin deficiency, it is absolutely a condition that is more common in older women. Uh, and, and generally we're talking women because women have more of an affinity towards yin, men have more affinity towards yang, um, but you do see men with yin deficiency as well. It's just more, again, more common in women. And it actually is one of our major diagnoses for menopausal women is often the signs that we think of 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 the what we call climacteric or or menopausal signs and symptoms are those of yin deficiency in chinese medicine so you think the hot flashes you know that's heat bearing up that's the yin not controlling the yang so that's yin deficiency the inability to sleep that's part of the yin can't anchor the yang, so you can't go to sleep easily those sort of things are part of of a a normal sort of uh, well I don't want to say normal because menopausal symptoms shouldn't be normal but those are are considered common menopausal symptoms and so yin deficiency usually plays a very large role in the in those in that scenario yin vincuity can have many signs and symptoms according to chinese medicine which include insomnia as i just mentioned dry stools and possible constipation it makes sense if you don't have the yin Cooling, moistening, because yin is moistening as well as fluid generating. If you don't have that, your stools are going to be dry and you can potentially have constipation. And there's lots of ways you can get constipation. In this constipation, we're expecting those dry, hard stools that are difficult to pass, as opposed to a different type of constipation, which I'm sure we'll talk about as we go along with these. Dryness is common. Again, you don't have that fluids of the yin. Yin are fluids and and so you don't have the fluids nourishing the skin and other areas. So there's dryness. There's something we call five centers heat or five palms heat, and this is the soles of our feet, the palms of our of our um, hands, and the some people will say. The forehead, some will just say the head in general, those are going to be the five palms. And you will feel, someone who's yin deficient will feel warm in each of those and, and potentially not warm in other areas. The malar flush is an interesting. So this is an interesting word to me, the malar flush, because in Western medicine, a malar flush is a very serious condition uh, indicating that there's a mitral valve issue. So there's a heart condition if you see a malar flush. And that in in the Western is like this bright red sort of flush in the center of the face. In Chinese medicine, what we mean is a more subdued, there's like a, a light pink or a light red sort of flush in the face thats not that shouldn't be there. And so it's a much less, so we, we use the same term, but we mean it slightly differently in Chinese medicine as opposed to, to Western medicine. I, I wish we'd have a different sort of name because a Western practitioner who looks at malar flush goes, what are they talking about? But what we're talking about is a, is a lighter flush and that could be indicative. That's that heat that's kind of rising to the face and it causes sort of a light flush as opposed to like, um, if you had fire rising or real yang rising, it would be a bright red. This is sort of a light red sort of flesh, and, and it's not the whole he- face. It's sort of the center of the face. That's the malar flesh. Night sweats are common with, with yin deficiency. Again, the yin um, is, is not controlling the yang, and it pushes the, the, the perspiration out. Uh, at least that's how I perceive it. Tidal fever, that means um, a little feverishness. Not massive feverish. feverish but a little bit of extra feverish fever heat in the in the in the evening Sorry, towards the end of the day. Oh. Uh, scanty and yellow urine. Again, that's some of the heat coming out because the yin's not controlling the young. Dry cough with no sputum. Uh, again, it's the fluids, and there's no fluids there, so there's no sputum. And it's sort of it's a dry cough, can be a little bit on the hacking side a little bit. But not strong, not forceful because it's deficiency, it's it's vacuity that's going on here. Your tongue can be red with a scanty or dry or what we call a peeling coat. A peeling coat is where there's areas of the tongue that uh, don't have a coat on it. So you'll have some coat and then you'll have like a, a sort of a weird shaped uh, area where there's no coat. That's what we call a peeling coat. And a deep fine rapid pulse rapid is important that indicates heat again we have heat in the in the case of uh yin deficiency fine can mean thin fine those are different uh interpretations of the same chinese uh word for that so that's that's how we expect the pulse to be and there can be the as it affects different organs we will have different sort of effects and signs and symptoms as well so uh, so lung when it when yin deficiency affects the lung we can if it's mild we can call it insufficient lung yin and signs and symptoms of this include dry cough as i mentioned dry throat uh, and or skin uh, loss of voice thirst and in some cases spinning up thick sputum so we said usually there's no sputum with this because there's not a fluid but it's th- Thick, if it's there, it's like it's 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 not can't be dry because then you wouldn't have sputum, but it's thicker because there's less fluids going on. And then as it pro- progresses, it goes into something called fei lao, um, which is lung consumption. So uh, with and this is a chronic cough, tidal fever, you have that evening fever, night sweats, hemoptysis, which means spitting up a blood, and a thin rapid pulse. Now in, in the west. Um, consumption usually refers to tuberculosis. And if you look at these signs and symptoms, they're similar to tuberculosis. And in fact, this would be a Chinese uh, uh, diagnosis for for tuberculosis. But you can kind of have this and not quite get to that tuberculosis sort of thing as well. So it's not exactly tuberculosis, but if you had tuberculosis, you'd probably have this lung consumption from a Chinese point of view. If it affects the stomach, we have signs and symptoms that include lack of appetite, irritability, again, that heat that's coming up can make you irritable. Dry mouth, the mouth is sort of the manifestation, of course, of the stomach. Uh, Thirst, hunger with no desire to eat. So this is an interesting one. It's like, have you ever just been around, uh, my my wife and I just had fought off a cold uh, uh, in the last week or two, and we have this sort of feeling at times like I'm hungry I just don't wanna eat anything. That's sort of this sort of scenario here. Postprandial bloating, so even after you eat, postprandial means after eating, after a meal, and you have bloating um, that can happen, vomiting can happen, hiccups can happen, and constipation, as we mentioned, can also happen. And this yin deficiency of the stomach often happens, can often happen after severe uh, feverish conditions. So if if you have a bad flu, it can deplete your yin and it can affect the lung. That's l- often a lot of the, the trailing symptoms we get from, from a, a fever or a bad flu, but it can also affect your stomach in this way as well. Spleen yin of can occur. The spleen and the stomach are um, very related. They're the same element in, in Chinese medicine, but one is the yin and one is the yang organ. So the stomach is the yang organ, the spleen is the yin organ. And spleen yin vacuity can occur, though this is considered to be dual spleen chi and yin vacuity. So we don't usually just see spleen yin vacuity alone, though there are experts that will dispute this, but in general, this is uh, the way that we look at spleen yin vacuity, that it's chi it's and yin vacuity. Then um, when yin deficiency can affect the liver, um, there are two major patterns to liver yin deficiency. So first is similar to liver blood deficiency with signs and remember the blood is fluids and it's 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 on a spectrum with yin it's it's related to yin so that's why we see some overlap here so if it's liver blood deficiency um you know s- slightly yin deficient or going to yin deficiency with signs it has signs and symptoms of a diminished mm-hmm. visual acuity the eyes are the flower of the liver so um, you have trouble focusing you just you, you just aren't as visual you don't have as much visual uh, ability as you would normally dry and dull eyes night blindness dizziness tinnitus so it can affect the ears as well tinnitus is a is a ringing in the ears and dry nails nails are also um, part of the liver so in addition there's a sensation of low grade heat with this liver liver blood deficiency and then the second major pattern is liver yin vacuity with ascendant liver yang. So the yin is not holding the yang down. So the liver yang rises up into the head. So we have signs and symptoms a lot in the head. So we have vertigo, the dizziness, uh, tinnitus. So again, the ringing in the air, dry mouth and throat, insomnia. You can't calm your brain. It's it's just you have trouble sleeping. A red tongue and a rapid thin pulse. That's important. If it was not thin, it wouldn't be deficiency. Thin indicates vacuity. So, And finally, we can have kidney yin deficiency. Oh, not finally, we have one more after this, but this is the big one. This usually occurs as part of a chronic disease process, so long-term diseases sort of thing. So cancer is one of these you can often lead to this sort of scenario. But other sort of, uh, you know, bad flu that lasts quite a while can cause kidney yin deficiency. Since all yin comes from the kidneys, any yin vacuity can be considered to involve the kidneys. So that's one thing. The kidney kind of underlies everything else. Signs and symptoms include dizziness, tinnitus. So again, similar to the liver um, kidney yin that we were talking about, but we're going to see some differences right now. Weakness of the low back and legs. so the kidney kind of rules the lower body, so you might see that. We have that five centers or five palms heat that we talked about, tidal fever, lowered sexual function, uh, scanty dark urine. Of course, the urine is going to be affected. This is the kidneys. So scanty dark urine, red and dry tongue, and a thin and forceless pulse. So it sounds very similar to some of these other yin deficiencies that we're talking about, so we, we often will look at what is uh, some of the other signs and symptoms. And, and often they're combined, so you can have kidney and liver in deficiency. As I say here, often the kidney yin fails to nourish the liver and leads to liver yin deficiency as well. And this is called kidney and liver deficiency or kidney and liver yin vacuity or deficiency as well. And finally, the, the, the last organ that we're going to talk about with the yin deficiency is the heart. The heart can become yin deficient. This condition is associated with issues of the shen or spirit. So shen is a really important er, er, ver, um, word in chinese medicine and, and kind of indicates spirit but it's also indicates mind so often mental health issues are a disturbance with the shen or, or we say spirit that's not a great transition uh, translation of this word shen I, I like mind in more of a metaphysical way i think is a is a really good way to to look at what this is And so there's a whole separate category of herbs, herbs that nourish the heart and calm the spirit that treat this condition. So a lot of these nourish the yin herbs will not touch the heart. Some do, but there's a whole category that is more about this. Herbs in this category can help this condition are usually not the main herbs used to treat heart yin vacuity. And with that, if there are no further, if there are no questions or comments, let's get into the actual category of herbs that nourish yin. So as usual, I, as I talk about, I have three major texts that I, I, I look this stuff up. And what I love is when there's a difference between those texts, because then that really explains, like, okay, this is an interesting thing. In this case, most of what's different is going to be translational issues. Uh, and there are some translational issues for this. So uh, Bensky, uh, which is, is probably the main materia, it's called the Materia Medica, the Chinese Materia Medica, uses the name of this pot that I, I put on this podcast, Herbs That Nourish Yin. Chen and Chen call this category yin tonifying herbs. And Brandon Wiseman call it yin supplementing medicinal. So there's not a lot of difference in these translations, slight, slight differences, but not very different in general. According to Bensky and, and his team, the herbs in this section are used primarily to tonify the yin of the lungs, stomach, liver, or kidneys they are typically sweet, cold, moistening substances that not only tonify the yin but also generate fluids as a means of treating dryness. So this makes sense. So sweet, the sweet taste is often a tonifying taste, so that makes sense. It's cold because it's yin. We're at we're trying to add in sort of a dose of cold and moistening into the body. That's what we're talking about with yin. So that makes sense that these are going to be sort of the the uh, elements of this of this of this herb category. For this reason, in addition to tonification, these herbs are said to nourish or yang, enrich zi, and or moisten run. These are all um, Chinese words and uh, explanations of this. In combination with other herbs, they can be used to moisten dryness and transform phlegm. Remember, I said under one of those, there's you know you can have thick phlegm or sputum going on and what happens is if you if you actually look at like western drugs that help with with uh, uh expectorants that try to bring up phlegm what they actually do is moisten the phlegm so it becomes looser and you're able to cough it up and it's sort of same thing here is if you're moistening the the phlegm it's easier to bring up so and transform it into other things so Moisten the dryness and transform phlegm. Moisten the intestines and promote the passage of stool and urine. So, again, if you have that dry stools that we talked about, we want to moisten the intestines, moisten that stool, and, and allow it to, to pass. So that's, that's one of the things it definitely does. Generates fluids to alleviate thirst. Calms the spirit, as we mentioned, with the heart. Tonifies the blood. Again, blood and yin are kind of on a spectrum. So if, um, usually if you're tonifying one, you're also tonifying the other, or at least supporting the other um some of these can actually stop bleeding so that's that's an interesting aspect which may not fall right into this category of nice and neat or increase patient strength if you are weak from the yin deficiency you definitely can get some strength from these from these herbs and in combination with other herbs as well one manifestation of yin depletion is fever and these herbs are often used in the treatment of heat from yin deficiency so are these herbs that we would use during a fever? Probably not uh, in general. Um, Usually we'll use these after someone is getting over the fever. You know, it's not that they're not used, they're just used uh, a little sparingly uh, in in general, because what we want to do if you have a a flu or something, we want to deal with that, and then we'll deal with the aftermath of that, which is this yin deficiency. So, yeah. Many of these herbs are what we call cloying by nature. Cloying herbs place a burden on the digestive system because they are difficult to break down and assimilate. Herbs are often added to formulas to promote digestion and assimilation when these herbs are added to the formula. So these herbs aren't great for promoting digestion and assimilation, but we'll add herbs in to an herb, a yin tonifying formula to to aid the digestion and assimilation of these herbs because these herbs can be difficult to digest and assimilate. These include herbs that tonify or strengthen the spleen, harmonize the stomach, and regulate qi, for example. So let's get into individual herbs in this category. Just a brief introduction of these herbs. We're doing an overview of this, not a deep dive into these individual herbs. And the first herb up is an herb called Sha Shen. There's actually two types of Shashen. One is sha shen, which translates as sand root from the north. And the, the Latin for it is glenia radix. And this nourishes the stomach and lung yin, clears heat from the lungs, and generates fluids. This is what is typically d- prescribed if nothing specific is specified. So if someone just puts in Shashen, they mean Bei Shashen. Uh, Brandon Wiseman says this is better for lung and stomach yin vacuity with heat signs than the other type um, that we're about to talk about, the non-sha shen. Chen and Chen adds that it also tonifies liver and kidney yin as well. So this is, we usually think of this as uh, a lung yin and a a stomach yin herb, but it also has some function with liver and kidney yin according to Chen and Chen. So the other type of sha shen is non-sha shen, which is sand root from the south. So we have north and we have south. And this is adenophori radix. It moistens the lungs and the exterior, stops cough, nourishes the stomach, generates fluids, and clears heat. Chen Chen adds it nourishes yin and dispels phlegm. So this is that can be some of this phlegm-loosening stuff that we were saying. Brandon Wiseman says this is able to boost qi and dispel phlegm and is used for damage to qi and yin from a dry phlegm cough. So generally, this is used less commonly than than the Shen is, and it's a little bit more specific in its uses, but it's still an important herb. Shen is interesting because uh, the only person that puts it in this category, the only book that puts it in the category of Nourish the Yin Herbs is Bensky and his team, both Chen and Chen and Brown Wiseman place this medicinal as a qi tonifying or qi supplementing medicinal uh, rather than as a nourishing yin herb. And so um, it's interesting, xiang shen, which is American ginseng uh, or penicis quinquefolia radix, is uh, the first thing it does is benefits the qi, but it also nourishes yin, especially the lungs, clears fire from the lungs and generates fluid. So Except for that Benefit Qi, it sounds a lot like a, a, a yin nourishing herb. But that Benefit Qi does put it often in the Qi tonic category. So I think it's interesting. The three books, only one put it in this category of nourishing yin. But it is, as a Qi tonic, It's uh, it, it generates fluids. A lot of the Qi tonics are drying and stuff. So it's a, it's a very interesting uh, herb in that even um, between the three books, there can be some, some question as to which category it belongs in. The next, herbs, next herb is... My men dong, or just my dong, uh, lush winter wheat is the translation of this. This is ophiopogonus radix. This nourishes yin, moistens the lungs, generates fluids, augments the stomach yin, moistens the intestine, clears heat, clears the heart, and eliminates irritability. Uh, I like Brandon Wiseman rather than irritability, they say vexation. I love that word, vexation. So it eliminates vexation. So um maimendong is a, is a is an important yin tonic herb. And then one of my absolute favorite ones is Tian Dong, or just Tian Dong, which means lush winter aerial plant. That's the Chinese uh, uh, translation of Tian Mendong or asparagi radix. If that sounds familiar, it should. This is the root of asparagus. This is the asparagus root. Uh, it nourishes yin clears lung heat, sedates fire, boosts the stomach, generates fluids, and moistens the lungs. This is one of those things, if I don't want to put a patient on a, on a full-on uh, yin tonic formula for whatever reason, like you know they're, they're getting over a flu and they're just a little depleted and it don't, doesn't quite warrant a whole formula, I'll say go have some asparagus. So <laughs> I love uh, giving that advice because that'll, that'll do that. And it'll do these sort of things. Uh, Chen Chen says it nourishes... The yin and moistens dryness, and Brandon Wiseman say says it also nourishes lung yin and downbears of acuity fire. So very similar to what's what's listed here. So uh, I, one of my favorites. It is a strong one. We're going to see some differences. Strong yin tonic, but uh, you know we'll go from there. So all right, next one. Sure, who? Our stone bushel is the English translation of the Chinese. This is dendrobium urba. It nourishes yin, clears heat, generates fluids, enriches kidney yin, reduces heat from vacuity, augments the essence. So here's that essence again. Again, we're not going to get too deep into it, but it's one of the most important substances in the body. In fact, I would consider it the most important. And it also brightens vision, so that's an interesting one. Chen Chen adds it nourishes the stomach and strengthens the back, tendons, and bones. So um, again, the kidney is kind of involved with the back and and potentially with um, the bones so that makes some sense that it's got some kidneys going on it, since it helps the kidneys it can help those things as well our next herb is you ju or jade bamboo is the english translation of that and the latin is po- polygonati or do- uh, odorati rhizoma and this nourishes yin moistens dryness, generates body fluids, extinguishes wind, softens, and moistens the sinews. Chen and Chen adds it moistens the lungs and nourishes the stomach, so they add in more specific lung and stomach issues. Our next herb is Bai He, or Chinese translation, this is 100 meanings. Um, If you've ever heard this, there's a bunch of hundred meetings like the very top of the head do 20 the point is the Chinese is by which means hundred meetings so everything meets at the top of the head so anyways this is a really interesting herb it's lily uh lily bulbus, or or uh, lily bulb is really what it is and it's a really important herb there's there's a whole category of disease called lily bulb diseases in some of our our classics and so it's a it's an important herb moistens it moistens the lungs clears heat stops cough clears the heart and calms the spirit so this goes a bit to the heart as well chen chen adds it nourishes stomach yin and harmonizes the middle burner so that's that doesn't sound super important but it is it, again it's it, there's all these formulas based off of it it's it's a really interesting one another herb here is mo or han lian sao which is Eclipta herba this nourishes and tonifies the liver and kidney in cools the blood and stops bleeding so there's that stopping bleeding and now we can kind of start to explain why it stops bleeding because it doesn't make sense if we're adding in moisture why would it stop the reason why is it's cooling the blood and warm blood is what we call reckless and can bleed on its own it can escape on its own so cooling the blood will stop bleeding from reckless or warm or hot blood um, so that's why it can stop bleeding. The next herb is Gen uh, or female chastity seed. This is Ligustri Lacidi Fructus. This nourishes and tonifies the liver and kidneys and improves vision. And Chenchen Chen adds it also clears heat. One of my favorite ones, Hei uh, Zhir Ma. The reason why I like this one is because it's a food substance. It's black sesame seed or sesame semen nigrum That's actually black sesame seed, it is the English translation of the Chinese. Hei meaning black and germa mean sesame seed. It nourishes and fortifies the liver and kidneys, nourishes the blood, extinguishes wind, moistens and lubricates the intestines. Any seeds we say will moisten and lubricate the intestines. So this is a good one. It's a food substance added into your foods. It's it's not only Looks interesting. It's tasty, so it's a great, great thing to have on your have around, and it's a common ingredient in both Chinese and Japanese foods, especially in, in, in Korean foods as well. So you'll you'll see this quite a bit, and both Chen and Brandon Wiseman will say it also boosts the Jing or essence. So just. That's huge, too. Like I said, essence is probably one of the most important things. It's actually really difficult to boost essence, and I don't think this does it very well, but it does it a touch, so why not add it in more into your foods? What a great, great thing to add into your diet. So the next two are um, used less and less, I think, for ethical and, and, and uh, environmental reasons. Well, they're part of this category, so we'll talk about them. The first one is guayban, which is translates as tortoiseshell, and that's what it is, tortoiseshell, uh, to studentus plastrum. This is actually really powerful yin nourishing herb, or herbal medicinal might be the way to say it, rather than an herb, because it's not technically an herb. But again, like I said, it's being used less and less because of the environmental and ethical issues it nourishes the yin anchors the yang so it holds down the yang. remember we said yin isn't strong enough the yang can float up and go to the head this will anchor the young and prevent that from happening benefits the kidneys strengthens the bones nourishes blood stabilizes the chong or penetrating and ren conception meridians so that's getting really technical that gets into what we call the eight extra meridians we're not going to go there but just wanted to put it in here for a complete who has uh, complete information cools the blood stops uterine bleeding and tonifies the heart and chen, chen adds promotes healing of sores really strong very powerful yin nourishing herb uh, and uh, what isn't said here but is there's often will help the essence as well that we we say animal products often will help essence and this is one of those so that's guaybon tortoiseshell our next one again same issues environmentally and, and, and uh, ethically, is biajia um, or turtle shell, is carapax. Triun- uh, carapax, And again, this is a strong nourishing uh, herb or medicinal, nourishes the yin, anchors the yang again, invigorates the blood, promotes menstruation, heavily anchors and causes to descend. So that really helps that the yang un- unblocks and promotes the functions of the blood vessels. And both Chen and Chen and Brandon Wiseman say it also softens hardness and disperses nodules or binds. So that's a so that's it. Again, I do I use these substances? I, I avoid them as much as I can. So I did in my earlier days. I can't remember the last time I've used these substances. So this next one I really like a lot as well because this is a food. Uh, again, yin um, r or bai mu r. Which translates as white wood ear. These are our wood ear mushrooms. Uh, the the Latin is tremella fusiformis frictifacatio uh, or focaccio. It nourishes the stomach and lung in, moistens the lungs and generates fluids. It's not included in Brown and Wiseman, but it is included in Chen Chen and, and Bensky's books. Uh, love this wood ears are, are great herbs. I've I've uh, great foods. I've been adding that to my food in the last year or two um, quite a bit and enjoy them. They're very tasty. So that's that. We have Chu Shur Z, or Brusonetier Fructus, not one that I learned when I was going through school, tonifies the liver and kidney in clears the liver and eyes, augments the kidney cheese. And this one is not included in Brennan Wiseman. So again, Chen Chen has it, and Bensky has it, but Brennan Wiseman do not. Brennan Wiseman, if you're not familiar, that's the concise, uh, I don't know if they say encyclopedia or concise materia medica It's called the concise materia Medica. So it's a little bit shorter and easier to digest, and yet I, I think it's, very, it's a very useful book. So there's that. And then probably my favorite herb in this whole category, huang jing, or yellow essence. That's the translator. Huang means yellow, and jing is that essence that we've been talking about this polygonati rhizoma nourishes yin moistens the lung tonifies the kidney jing or essence again relieves wasting and thirsting syndrome tonifies the spleen and benefits the qi one of the reasons why i like this herb so much is this of all the plant substances this is the one that does the most to tonify the essence so when i feel like essence needs to be done i don't want to use those those Animal products. This is the herb that I go to. This this yellow essence, Huang Jing, uh, benefits to Qi. Brandon Wiseman adds that it allows aging. And what's interesting again is there's a little discrepancy. Brandon Wiseman and Chen Shen both put this in the herbs that nourish yin, but Bensky places it in the category of herbs that tonify chi. So because it tonifies that, um, well, it actually doesn't say chi anywhere in here. But uh, a essence is is something that some people relate more with qi than they do with yin. Um, I, To me, it's yin and yang, and yang is more associated with qi, so it gets complicated. But they put it in that category, while um, two others put it in this category. So, but I've always learned it in this category and really love it, it's one of my favorite herbs. And then finally, we have gochiza or go-chi-zi. Thorny stock seed is the English translation of this, and this is lychee fructus. Tonifies the liver and kidney yin, brightens the eyes, and moistens lung yin. And again, Bansky puts this in the herbs that tonify qi, while Chen and Chen and um, and uh, Brandon Wiseman put this in the nourish the yin category. This one I've done a Sperb's Herbs on, so if you want to know a lot more about gochiza, it's our number one, our first episode of Sperb's Herbs, so you can go check that out if you're interested in knowing more about gochiza. All right, so let's, oh, there's a few more herbs that we're, we're talking about here. Um, one is a song zi, or just sangxian, mori or mulberry cedar fruit. That's the English translation. The Latin is mori fructus. This tonifies yin, nourishes blood, generates body fluids, and lubricates the intestines. Brandon Wiseman says it also allays thirst. I like that, allays rather than helps thirst. Again, Bensky puts this in a whole different category of herbs that tonify the blood. Again, there's that relationship between blood and yin, so it cannot. It's uh, it's not always clear which one they belong in. Uh, but two out of the three say it's in this category. One says it's a different one. Now we have an herb that's not even mentioned in two of the three books that we that I use. It's only in Chen and Chen, and this is Judza uh, or Hovenia fructus. A- again, I'm not at all aware of this of this herb, I, I didn't study it. We used uh, an earlier version of Bensky's, so this was not included. But it generates body fluids and resolves alcohol toxicity. Interesting, so this might be a, a um, day after herb, an herb for after you've indulged a little bit too much in, in alcohol. So that's an interesting one. All right, let's compare some of these. Why would we use some over others? So um, Bei Sha Shen versus non Sha Shen, so that's the northern and southern Sha Shen. Bei Sha Shen, as I said, is is used a little bit more. It more strongly nourishes yin, while the non Sha Shen more effectively eliminates phlegm. So if you're just looking for yin, you're gonna be using the Bei Sha Shen, and if you have phlegm, that dry cough, those sort of things, then maybe look at the non Sha Shen. Maimandong is less potent in nourishing yin and clearing and moistening dry heat in the lungs than Tianmandong, but less stagnating. So Tianmandong is stronger, but it has that more cloying nature. So it can be a little bit, um, it can stagnate things. So is colder, that's the asparagus, and more effective at reducing fire from kidney yin vacuity. Maimendong is focused more on the upper and middle burners and thus also treat stomach yin vacuity. So we haven't really talked about upper, middle, and lower burners um, very much. Uh, we will at some point. But just think of the upper is including the lung and the heart. The middle is your digestive organs, and your lower is going to be your kidney and bladder sort of thing. And then we'll get more into it as we at some point. You drew is less stagnating than other yin nourishing herbs and less likely to cause side effects at the at the same token it's it's probably not as strong as some of the other herbs as well in this category so there's always that give or take sometimes you know the ones that have the least side effects are often not the strongest ones xiang shen strongly tonifies both the qi and yin and cools fire from yin deficiency which causes long-term wheezing and coughing of blood streaked sputum so Um, useful for that sort of thing. Again, there's a controversy as to which uh, category it belongs into: the boost qi, you know, the qi tonifying or the yin nourishing, uh, and so it does both well. Gochidza is mild and will not cause middle burner stagnation and damnness even with long-term use, if you're not familiar with it. Um, these are goji berries. They're now a food substance, a superfood. Uh, I don't like superfoods. Um, so I think it's just marketing stuff, but it is considered a superfood and is used widely as, as a, a positive thing, as little berries and what have you, as little uh, dried fruits. Sangshenzu uh, is similarly suited for long-term use, but is contraindicated in Yang Vicuity Cold. So if you're cold because you don't have enough young, you shouldn't have it. Dampness from spleen and stomach vacuity. So dampness would not be good uh, in this scenario because it would add more into it. Or food stagnation. So if you're already having trouble digesting stuff, you don't want to add this into your diet. And that's, that would be one of my my um, concerns about Gochizu as well. So if your digestion isn't working great, be cautious with adding that into your diet. Nujenza is not greasy or cloying, and thus is best for tonifying the yin without interfering with digestion. So that's, that's good. That's a really good one. And both Nujenze and Mohanlian uh, both nourish the liver yin and treat premature graying of the hair. And Mohanlian also stops bleeding. So these are, these are herbs that are often used to, uh, to uh, help with hair stuff. So these are good hair herbs. Uh, Guiban, uh, this is uh, Guiban, is the tortoise shell. More strongly nourishes the yin, while Beijia more effectively clears heat in treating palpable abdominal masses. And finally, we have those woodier mushrooms. The yin r uh, enriches lung and stomach yin and treats cough due to lung yin vacuity especially from tuberculosis with blood in the sputum. All right, and that's it with our comparisons. Again, as always, if you have any questions, feel free to interject them. All right, let's talk about biomedical actions here. These herbs have various pharmacological effects, including antitussive, which means it stops coughing, antibiotic, so it helps bacterial infections, cardiotonic, it helps the heart, antiarrhythmic so that helps arrhythmias it's it's uh, arrhythmias are not good things of the heart so it can be antiarrhythmia it can be they, some of these can be antineoplastic that means anti cancer so some of these have anti cancer properties antipyretic which means it helps fevers uh, that makes a lot of sense a lot of these are going to be antipyretic analgesic they help pain they can be uh, pro gastrointestinal they can help the the digestive tract. Several of them are anti-diabetic, so good for diabetes. Uh, Some of them are adaptogenic, which means they change for how the body needs them to be. Uh, Some are anti-hyperlipidemic, so they help uh, the high cholesterol, high triglycerides. Actually, these days, the the more common word rather than hyperlipidemic is dyslipidemic. They can be immunostimulant, they can help the immune system. They can be hematological, so they can help uh, various blood as- aspects of the blood. I already mentioned antihypertensive. Uh, where are they? Uh, did I? Oh no, it was the antihyperlipidemic that I was thinking. No, they're antihypertensive, so they can actually help lower your, your hypertension. Uter- uterine stimulating, so if there's something wrong with the uterus. Hemostatic, stop bleeding. Anti-inflammatory, always helpful. And hepatoprotective, which means uh, protects the liver. It's good for the liver. So there's lots of interesting biomedical actions here uh, based on these herbs. Again, not every herb is going to have all of these, but in this category, a lot of these, these actions are, are there. How strong they are, how well-supported they are is a different question, but there's at least some indication that it does do these things. And if you're not familiar with me, we always talk about drug-herb interactions. That is uh, a lot of what I do is drug-herb interactions. So there are some to be worried about here. Uh, for one thing is Xiang Shen, that American ginseng, has numerous potential interactions, may enhance certain anti-cancer medications. That might not be a bad thing necessarily, uh, but it's level D evidence. So um, that's the lowest level of evidence. Eh. May increase the effects of warfarin. Again, I'm not a huge fan of combining herbs with warfarin, which is an anticoagulant, or what uh, colloquially known as a blood thinner. So, um, but this does—it's level C, so it, it's happened in humans and in, in like case studies or small, small amounts. So, definitely something to be worried about. May increase the effects of certain anti-diabetics such as sulfonylureas. Uh, so uh, that's interesting. This is where. It can have some anti-diabetic effects. So again, this is not necessarily a bad interaction. You just need to be aware of it because you don't want it to do it too strongly. And again, that has been shown in humans. That's level C evidence, but lower level low, uh, human evidence. Finding level D evidence we have may increase the vasoconstrictive effects of um, phenylephrine. So phenylephrine is, is, um, a, is often sprayed in the nose to help strict uh, runny noses and things along those lines. So it may increase that. Low-level evidence. I'm not worried about that one. Gochidza may interfere with anticoagulants and potentially cause increased coagulation time. Again, there's some human evidence of this, so I would be cautious using Gochidza with warfarin or anything else Uh, that might be. There's not a lot of other anticoagulants, but there's a few like Copetagrel and a few other drugs. Finally, Nugenza lowers Um, plasma glucose levels that may potentiate uh anti-diabetic medications causing hypoglycemia again this is level d probably more of an expert opinion than than having shown some actual evidence Uh, And again it could be a positive or a negative depending on on how you look at it but you do want to be careful not to cause hypoglycemia. As I, as I say, hypoglycemia is too little sugar in the blood, and the big issue with diabetes is hyperglycemia, too much sugar in the blood. And what I always say is hyperglycemia will kill you in the long term. Hypoglycemia will kill you in the short term. So um, you do want to be careful of, of both of those. All right. Getting close to wrapping this up. Concerns uh, about these, this class of herbs, since these herbs are cold and cloying, They should not be used in patients with spleen or stomach chi vacuity. Those are digestive things, so we don't want to affect, because if the digestion is already compromised, we already said these can be cloying and difficult to digest. So you don't want to take them if you're in that scenario. Internal dampness or phlegm. Again, some of these do treat phlegm, so that might be an exception. But in general, if you have dampness or phlegm, you probably have some spleen issues and some digestive issues. So generally, we say don't use those. And again, abdominal distension uh, will will uh, you know is just another indication of of digestive issues or diarrhea. Remember, this helps a moisten. A lot of these help moisten the intestines, and so you don't want that in a diarrhea sort of scenario. Chen and Chen says these herbs can be heavy and or greasy, and therefore may create damp and or interfere with normal digestion. So very similar, just a different way of saying the same thing. But those are our main concerns, is our digestive issues here. So we just want to make sure that we can digest them appropriately. All right. I think that pretty much wraps up this episode of of Sperbs Herbs on Nourish the Yin Herbs. On our next episode, which I'll be recording in two weeks, is amazing. It's going to be looking at a foundational formula, Tang. The or cinnamon twig decoction. This warm exterior releasing formula is a very, uh, I want to emphasize that, very important formula as the head of an important family of formulas that is used for numerous conditions and patterns. And and just e- the the amount of formulas that are based off of this formula are just a ton. It's a really, really important formula. And of course, as usual, there will be something a little different that we talk about during the episode. So please join us as we explore this basic and important formula as well as its uses. Thank you very much for, for joining joining me and hanging in there. When you do, just if you could help out when you buy from Amazon, please use the banner ad on our homepage. We get a few pennies. I haven't seen a few pennies for a while, so it would be nice uh, if I did. I appreciate it. If you liked this podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star rating in your favorite podcast app. That would help us immensely. Appreciate it. Thank you for doing that. And as always, you can get in touch with me at drgreg at spurbsherbs.com or at our website, www.sperbsherbs.com, with any questions, concerns, issues, uh, anything else you want to. That would be great. So thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right. And as usual, we have our bibliography. That, thank you very much. Spurs, Spurs. Spurs. The proceeding was presented by Dr. Greg Sperber. We would like to thank Janelle for all her support. And everybody else who contributed to this program. Janelle. John. Timothy. John. Nick. John. Rogers, Campbell.